Welcome back to Tent Talks. We've got Lacey back for part two with her own journey of incorporating everything that she learned in residential treatment centers. <laughs> Make it sound like I was admitted to one, <laughs> which maybe As I kind of was. <laughs> As a retired staff member, we're happy to have you back. Thank you. And of course, Liz is here, co-host. Welcome, everyone. Kimmy on the production end of this podcast. Thank you so much. All right. Jumping right back into your story, Lacey. We ended last episode with you basically saying, I need to quit because I need to work on my family Mm -hmm. that I've been putting on the back burner for all of the clients. Yeah, like I said, I think when you are involved in this work, inevitably, right, it starts to get a little glaring when you're not working on your own stuff. And I knew, I'd even spoken about, right, of like, there's definitely some things I'm avoiding, right? Uh, Because I do have this need to grasp onto this type of work. I was able to see over time, like this is ultimately a distraction, right? And what better distraction than being able to tell myself that I'm helping other people that I'm, you know what I mean, saving these souls or whatever, like what better justification to not have to look at myself and my own patterns and my own relationship, my own family lines of patterns, It was something I was most definitely avoidant about, and I was avoiding it in a very righteous endeavor. Same. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, after time, you know, I, I was very well aware of this, you know, and I was like, I've got to go. And I remember even saying to my boss at that point of like, I'm going to go for a bit. And, uh, I'll probably be back at some point uh, when I feel like I'm in a healthier place to be able to support these people from a good place because I'm starting to doubt that I'm capable of doing that right now. And so what that looked like for me was many years to come of me having to challenge the hustle that basically just like buzzed around inside of my mind, my body, everywhere, right? And I think it's kind of what we do as women, right? If it's not at work, it's at home. Like we're always busy. There's always like somebody to be caring for and some distraction like away from ourselves. And so I had to be very, very intentional about getting very still, which... I would still say is probably one of the biggest hurdles that I've experienced in my life because it took years. What that looked like for me, right? It was delving into yoga, but also having to be very aware of how I delved into that, right? So I knew my patterns. I knew that, you know, I couldn't let myself get lost in this thing that's supposed to help me get still, right? Well, so. Lacey, I think, <laughs> I think I came into your life mm-hmm. when you were realizing 
that you traded one thing for another. It's yeah. like you were you were medicating yourself and you said all the moms who get do you ever wonder why all the moms can do all the things? They're living off of medication, diet coke and boiled chicken. Yeah. And yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And that's when I met you and you were like, I'm, I'm stopping medication because I'm tired of the hustle mm-hmm. and I'm taking all of these principles that I've learned mm-hmm. and I'm putting them to the test on myself. Yes. And I'm slowing way down. Way, way down. And I saw how, you know, how easy it was to get wrapped up. Like I, you know, I started doing yoga. I did my yoga teacher training, just like every other woman in the valley that leaves the church. <laughs> like it's just this this system we all fall into, right? Of okay, like White I, woman wellness. <laughs> I find this need to find my peace and get still. So I'm gonna sign up for this thing, and I'm gonna get really, really good at it. Then so I'm gonna it teach was, it and yes. then make money, and then save everyone else. Yes, and so I did go in. So Powerful for me. It was exactly. It's like okay, we're doing the same thing again, right? And but maybe maybe also in a step in the in a better direction, right? Maybe far more. Like I could laugh at myself. Like far more awareness. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. Of like, so just for an example, like I was a yoga teacher for three years, and I very intentionally never practiced handstands like in my practice right and my reason being was yoga is supposed to be this thing that i come to to get still and i'm not going to create basically this same concept with it of like oh i show up and this is about me moving through the steps or conquering my body or being able to do certain fancy poses or whatever (laughs) yeah and so while I could see in one ways, like I fell into like another system, I could also see that um, I was participating in it with a lot more awareness and maybe observing a little more as well. Because the yoga industry, it's another industry I'm quite critical of and grateful for, right? Yeah. That it yeah. it's not black and white. It is far more I'm, gray. I'm grateful for my experience with yoga. I think, you know, it, I was definitely under a I, you know, this is what it does. You follow these things, but it, but it did help me slow down a lot in concepts that I could mm-hmm. take. And again, I think what I've really learned is that the psyche can only handle so much growth at a time. Yes. And so we kind of need these weaning steps. If yes, you will. absolutely. Like, and that's why necessary. I even talk about the pattern, right? It's, yeah. it's funny that we even see these particular patterns that are unique to our community of kind of like you see women that leave the church kind of follow this particular yes. pattern. Yeah, it's a it's a it's probably a healthy deconstructing pattern. But yes, there's a lot of the repetition in it maybe falling into some traps mm-hmm. again and again. And we're so starved for embodiment practices that even we get the first touch of it and we just love it so much and we want to. And then we proselyte, right? Yeah. Like we, we have to tell yeah. everybody about it. And this is the one Star true kids. yoga. <laughs> Honey, you got to do this. You know, you yeah. got to try this. And they're like, it helped me so much. Yes. <laughs> Which it does. It does. So yoga was a good, important step for me of getting still. Um, I think I had spent the better part of 15 years just hustling so fast, whether that was, like I said, work, kids, life, 
um, that it was really hard for me to just get still and actually have to sit with what was coming up. Um, what was coming up? Tell us. Stacy. you know, because I think I got to the point where I was saying and I was starting to challenge, you know, uh, even, you know, this idea of residential treatment, because I found myself, you know, telling my friends and family, I was like, I think just at the end of the day, like, as far as tools, I think what were really important for me at that time uh, was yoga, it was getting still, it was meditating, uh, it was therapy, I obviously, I love therapy. I'm a huge proponent for it. And I was also doing um, acupuncture and uh, energetic work. And then I met Stacy uh, through a mutual friend through massage. And I think started to do a lot of trauma work through my body. And anyway, it's been, it's been a trip if I'm being honest and it's been kind of a gradual and a slow go. And at times, I guess it's the roller coaster metaphor, right? This is the really high highs and the low lows. But ultimately, what I noticed when I stepped away from my work is that there were particular patterns or even like disorders within my family and within my marriage and my relationship that weren't all that different from these families that I worked with. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, you sought <laughs> out what you knew. Exactly. It's not surprising to me that I found myself in a very specific system and program uh, working with families that were dealing with right almost down to the T, some very specific patterns happening with my own family and my family line, but also within my marriage. And so I'm like, yeah, how do you, how do you sum up? Like, well, basically <laughs> you took, years yeah, of digging. you took a microscope to your marriage and mm -hmm. said, and created boundaries. Mm -hmm. And inevitably what happened with creating boundaries well, the same that happened, right, in my work life. It was like, right? okay, well, then we need to separate. Yeah, of like, oh, you won't fall within this system and show up and play your role that you're supposed to play. Like, the system doesn't exist anymore, right? Because it doesn't benefit me the same way, right? Right. We're not sharing power here. Yeah, and I think a huge paradigm shift for me, I think even just looking at my relationship and my marriage was beginning to just see things for what they were and naming them what they were. So there was, name things. yeah, there was a certain level of avoidance on my end, knowing that I had this certain level of professional knowledge around a lot of these dynamics I was addressing, knowing that Ultimately, I knew what kind of boundaries I had to have, but there's also this part of me that knew that those boundaries would be the demise, ultimately, of my marriage, right? And so if I want to keep my marriage, it benefits me, right, to be hustling and to be able to avoid, right? But when I have to get still and I have to look at it in the face, then I have to sit with whether I'm actually living in my integrity or not, right? Because I can't just be distracted from it anymore. Um, and so, 
Yeah, that was a big piece. Um, Lacey, I want to say something about you that (laughs) is the most touching thing I've ever really experienced. Um, Lacey had a divorce healing ceremony for herself, Mm. and she had just moved out of of the home that she was living with with her former husband and she moved to this new place and she was trying to make it comfortable for her kids and so she invited her family and then her nearest and dearest girlfriends and she just sat in that space and said I I am supported people are showing up for me and I want everyone here to see and feel that I'm supported because we're we're doing this together. It's not just me. Mm-hmm. It's all of us. And, and you've helped me move in here. You've helped me make this a home. Mm-hmm. And you're helping me help my kids because I can't do it alone. And I was just like left <laughs> your home like weeping, like thinking, oh, my gosh, I wish everyone could do this. Mm-hmm. Well, I was in a moment of having to change the rules of the game, right? Because like I said, to remain in my marriage required a certain level of avoidance. It also required me to show up in a codependent way. My entire identity, as you can imagine, was wrapped up in, I am this strong person, right? I help people heal. And in bringing all of my family and friends like into that room, it was also like this moment of exposing myself, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And being able to say to those people I love, I have been the supporter for so fucking long. Mm -hmm. And I'm showing you all right now in this room, like I'm going through something that's going to be excruciating. Like you guys are my support. I will still say to this day, and it's really cool to me that you acknowledge, you know what I mean? How that moment stuck out to you, Stacy. because I will still say to this day that the single most hardest thing I have ever had to do is to let my family and friends see me completely mm-hmm. and not just be able to view me as this strong, supportive force that helps other people heal, but that yes, I'm this strong, supportive force who also needs healing and needs the support of my friends and family. And I'm so grateful that I had friends and family that either knew how or rose to the occasion when I said, I told everybody exactly how I needed to be supported One of the most beautiful things that has come out of my healing journey is the relationship that has developed with my parents. That I lived in this place of fear for a very long time. I left the church for many years. Um, I think it's been like 10 years now that I at least haven't been pretending. And I remember feeling this riff, right, with my parents and my family members because I wasn't participating in this system, right, that they um, are part of. But the really beautiful thing being when I actually did just open myself up and I said, I need you, you know, I actually needed you back then. And I wasn't able to communicate how much I really did need you during that time. 
I remember looking at my dad and point blank saying, you abandoned me then kind of, and I understand why. And I have all the compassion for you because it's a tricky thing, right? When your daughter starts kicking back against everything that you've offered her or given her, right? But being able, I think, like I said, to sit across from my friends and family and let them see my unraveling essentially so that they could also support me in my rising was one of the hardest things I have ever had to do. To let my loved ones see me and support me is the hardest thing I have ever had to do. Why? (laughs) Why though? And so, you know, I'm obviously, you know, a bit preoccupied now with just systems in general. We talk about family systems, work systems, things like that. Why was that the hardest thing for me to have to do as well? You know, and I think that is a lot of what women in our culture experience. We are just supposed to put our shoulder to the will and, you know, move along or whatever. Um, But what a bold and feminist and powerful move to be able to sit in front of my people who have all the love and respect for me to hold space and ask them to do the same in return. And then the even cooler thing to see them show up, yeah, right? When I say, gets, right? like when I say to my parents, you abandoned me then, please don't do it now. I really need you. And for them to hear me and for like, it was really a bizarre thing because I felt like I really was walking some of my family members through like, this is what support looks like. But then like to see them do it was so beautiful and healing, right? Because it's something that I had attempted to do within my marriage, right? Of like, I can offer this safe container. I can offer this help. I can offer this compassion that ultimately was to my own detriment, right? Of like, I see these patterns. I know they're not all about me and I can still love you and be here for you. Right. But that's where things get sticky as well. Cause for how long, you know, is appropriate and what kind of boundaries need to come in place. And Lacey, you, you recently helped someone, a mutual friend walk through a divorce and you said something really brilliant. You were just saying how you've already been doing everything. A lot is not going to change when you get a divorce because you're realizing that you're doing all the work anyway. Right. But what changes in your life now is that you get to ask for help and that it's okay to ask for help. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times women feel trapped in these relationships where they're doing all the work anyway. They just can't ask for help. Because you have to they're... pretend it's okay. Yeah. You can't let on that maybe it's not. like. Mm-hmm. And that is such yeah. a vulnerable thing of, yeah, I can do it all by myself. I've been doing it all by myself, what feels like for a long time, right? Uh, but the more vulnerable thing is not doing it all by yourself and letting other people help. And it's so hard. <laughs> well, and I think we miss even celebrating how hard it is. I think we, we at bare minimum just feel so grateful for people showing up when really it should be the celebratory thing of like, 
I can't believe how brave you are to mm. ask this of me, right? Mm -hmm. And understand that fear and how it's not modeled, right? You did something that maybe you never saw anyone do before in your lifetime is to get that bare and exposed. And that's something to really be celebrated, not just wow, I'm so just grateful I have this bare bare level of privilege that people showed up, mm. you know, because not everyone even has that, right? And the, <sighs> to come back, you know what I mean, to that nuance, right, of what, you know, I gained within my workplace or I didn't. I actually did witness day in and day out what it looked like for young women to come apart, to yeah. be vulnerable, right. uh, to put it all out there. It wasn't unfamiliar to me of what that work looks like because I bore witness to it for so long. So when push came to shove and I found myself in a moment of transition or crisis or whatever it is you want to call it, like I knew how to do that work because it was in some sort of sense modeled to me, right? By these girls that I worked with. But not everyone sees it as work and honors it, mm. right? You did. I mean, that's a whole nother tangent we can start to go on around um, divorce and how I have started referring to divorce as a sacred healing act mm -hmm. and wanting to change um, the tone and the language that we have around that because it has been just that for me. It has been healing. It has been sacred. And I have gone on this really trippy, like unique experience this past year delving into the stories of my family particularly the stories of our shame and of our trauma and starting to see how even divorce within my own family, I can now see a few generations removed how that was a healing step for our family, but also the opposite, right? Marriages that stayed in abusive, you know what I mean, dynamics, I can literally see, right, that lineage and that line and how that influenced me. Because the thing I often ask or laugh about with my friends is like, how did we all end up so codependent, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and uh, starting to sit with a lot of those questions of where it started from. Well, Lacey, I feel like going back to this topic of why it's so hard to ask for help and receive it, and you're, you were so graceful in modeling that to me, and there's this paradox that happens where I love the opportunity to help. Like when you mm -hmm. asked for help, it was my honor. <laughs> and throughout the years as I've had to ask for help, who showed up for me, you did. And I was so mortified, like, and terrified of asking for help. And I don't even know why it was so s silly, because that's what relationships do. They, they There's that give and take and back and forth. Mm -hmm. But even in an intimate space, it feels hard. Mm -hmm. That's let's clarify that's what healthy relationships. <laughs> are, right? what? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. 
and like finding that, you know, and modeling that for each other and how powerful that was. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, if I guess I were to describe the healing path, uh, is that it's never ending and we are just constantly put in these situations that look and feel very familiar. It seems like over and over and over. And it's like, what will we do with it this time? And as I talk about learning about those family stories, I see stories that are reoccurring right within my family themes around boom and busts and like bad investments and a lot of these concepts that I can see you know even as I listen to folk music right from like great depression time that we all are just still living these similar kind of stories in these different eras facing the same kind of things you know, having it all and having lost it all, challenging these systems. It's been a really beautiful process to see how just this idea, I guess, you know, and I think this is the question we've been talking about today. Like, can you really force a person to heal? I don't know. I don't even want to answer that. But what I can speak about from my experience is I think I got caught up uh, in the work that I did, right? Because I grew up in a culture that was really fascinated by saving ourselves and saving our neighbors and saving our families. We quite literally do ordinances for our dead ancestors so that we save them. And I think something that I've experienced this past year that has been really beautiful has been kind of a concept around the opposite, actually, of uh, my dead ancestors don't need me to save them, but my dead ancestors have lived a life and their struggles and their sorrows and their traumas actually aren't that different from mine. And the more that I strive to understand their stories and have compassion on them and compassion for their decisions and why they maybe had to do the things they do, I can see how I have directly been blessed and benefited from people shaking up the systems that they were thrown into. And so while there was part of me, right, that maybe could very have easily felt some shame around shaking up the systems I was a part of, leaving the church I grew up in, uh, leaving this whole industry that I invested so much time in, uh, like leaving my marriage, all of those things. You just carried on the journey that your ancestors yeah, took. I think it was important for me to kind of look into my history to see and acknowledge that I am not alone in being the person that shakes things up. And they were done in ways that made sense for those times and places. Like, you know, perhaps it was a bit rogue to get a divorce, you know, 100 years ago, 150 years ago. But it's been very healing for me to acknowledge and to really uh, see the not so savory parts of my family. Because what I can see and what I know and I've experienced, right, 
uh, oh, perhaps we don't want to talk about divorce in our family. Let's talk about the faith building stories, things like that, which I just want to challenge, right? Because I can see for myself now that, you know, it's that concept of like a ship or an airplane and you're just changing your course of direction just a degree or two. But after so many years and so much time, you will find yourself inevitably in a completely different place. And so I think that's a lot of what I rest on, right, is so often I feel um, in my upbringing and even on this healing journey, it has felt a bit isolating. I feel like I'm disappointing my family or I'm pushing against, you know, these values or principles that I was raised with. But I think what I'm learning and what I'm experiencing is actually the opposite. I am finding place and purpose with my story within that system. Because I can see how I directly benefited. Like there's this, you know, this line within my family that I can see there's this man that came into, you know, my family's life after divorce and, you know, a lot of crisis who offered a lot of healing that quite literally three generations later affected me in my daily life. You know what I mean? That I had a grandfather who really loved children, perhaps instead of, you know, was raised with a lot of these abusive systems, right? And uh, so it is that idea of perhaps by being that black sheep or shaking things up or going a little rogue or whatever, I am healing my family. Mm -hmm. And, And so it's less about this concept of like, oh, my dead relatives need me to save them, but a little bit more funny in that my dead relatives and them living their honest stories are actually healing me and offering me some solace because I know that I'm not alone in these journeys. You know, I think I've even talked to um, my little brother who is queer and uh, he's kind of been on a similar journey of how healing it's been for him just to acknowledge that he's not the only queer person within our family, that there's always been queer people like within our ancestry and how sad that they always had to be closeted and sacrifice and do those things. And so I know even for him that that's been helpful just to even acknowledge like, I'm not alone in this. Like I have literal family members that have experienced and gone through this. And I think that's been really important for me as I shake things up to acknowledge there's been a lot of shaking up that's happened within my family. And I can quite literally see how positive like that has played out and on the contrary, how negatively it can. And so if there's anything I think I want to be intentional about, it is just those like little subtle shifts, right? Knowing that, I don't know, um, you know, if, Ultimately, you know, I helped those girls, you know, in the long run that I did in treatment. But what I do know is by doing my work and healing myself, I am healing my own family ultimately. And that's beautiful. And that doesn't require me to force them into healing or ask them to heal along with me. But quite literally by me focusing on me, 
there will be a ripple effect that will bless and heal. And so that has to just be my focus mm -hmm. moving forward. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, it really does, you know. And I think it it also brings the trust back to the self and in a way kind of gives that permission to other people. I think we are saying, I trust you to heal too. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what you need, but I trust you to do that. Mm -hmm. And the way I reach out to you, you know, you can reach out to me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it does, it does take a lot of courage and um, wow, your story is powerful. Thank you for yeah. sharing your story with yeah. us today. You guys, it was a little brutal. <laughs> <laughs> You well, did it. It's, we're sorry. It's okay. Sorry, it's just not sorry. emotional <laughs> stuff to talk about. Yes. And, but I also love to talk about it. I do because none of us are unique and none of us, you know, we're all growing through something and it may not be exactly the same thing, but there's just so many common ties. And so I do, I acknowledge it's good that it's to get it out there and talk about it and share I'm just not usually one to project myself in such a way. It's usually just coffee with Stacy and I rant. So. <laughs> no, this is great. great. And did you make that up? We're all growing through something. That's brilliant. that's real. Yeah, yeah, we're all growing through we're something. All growing. Thanks for joining us, Lacey, on Tent Talks. Thank you. I had a good time. Thanks everyone else listening as well. <laughs>